Chelsea well, Northrup with well, your fancy gear. That's not all that matters. Your expensive cameras don't mean you take better pictures. Welcome to the Picture This Photography podcast, where we talk about all things photography. And today, we're talking about gear doesn't matter. You've probably heard that before. We've heard it oh. a lot. So we're going to talk about what we think is true, what we think is just kind of, what, Tony, emotional drivel? You seemed a little triggered there at the beginning. Yeah, people just compensating for their insecurities. <gasps> insecurities. Yeah. I love it. But before we dig into that, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Whether you need a domain, website, or online store, make your next move with Squarespace. If you can drag and drop, you can make your very own Squarespace website. And if you go to squarespace.com slash Chelsea and use the coupon code Chelsea, you can get 10% off and your very own free trial of a Squarespace website. Thanks, Squarespace. Thanks. First of all, we see all these videos that are cheap gear versus expensive gear, and it's just this repeating theme. And what they always do is they construct some scenario where the iPhone can beat the $40,000 camera. And it's complete nonsense. Well, I made one of those videos. So. Yeah, and how did that go? Well, you detected every camera accurately i had like an iphone and an entry-level camera and then i think my d850 and you could tell yeah i looked at the prints they were not huge prints they were medium-sized prints and i picked it out in seconds right you did that was sad for me i was hoping to trick you <laughs> <laughs> i know we wanted the same result that everybody else gets yeah, right i was like i'll get him i'll trick tony he'll like my cheap camera photo and you didn't because you're a bad person, Tony. <laughs> it's it's like if you had a Honda Civic and a Ferrari and you decided to create a test on to determine which was better at retrieving groceries from the grocery store. You just think it's or an hauling absurd... lumber or something. Like yeah. It's an you, absurd metric. Yes, you could create some test where the cheap gear was equal or better than the expensive gear, but it's not testing every scenario. You know, we don't buy the expensive gear to do the mundane stuff. We buy it for corner cases for the extreme stuff for daily use and for workflow okay here's the thing we get all the time what tony said this lens isn't sharp and then but what about this picture of my cat you could see all of its whiskers it's so sharp tony is such an idiot all right this is suddenly getting very personal <laughs> there's a lot of your own name in this mm -hmm. but i do know what you mean if we do a side-by-side -side lens review or camera review there are oftentimes many comments where people say well i have that and look at how sharp this picture is and so that happens but the thing is when we're comparing everything is relative so we compare one camera to another or one lens to another and one is going to be sharper it doesn't mean your gear is bad it just means in our testing one is sharper than the other i think it actually proves the point that gear doesn't matter at least to the person who's saying that because at least up until the point where they saw some side-by-side -side comparison that made their lens look bad they were happy with the picture yeah and that's all that matters you know if they're if they're the only consumer if they're not selling it to a client who might complain or even if your client you're selling it to clients but they're happy with it then it's fine yeah. And in that case, maybe the gear doesn't matter. Maybe the sharpness doesn't matter. And the point people always want to make is it's the photographer and not the gear. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's some combination of both, depending on the style of photography. But in those cases, yeah, maybe the gear doesn't matter to 
to you, you in that scenario. The question should be like, does gear matter to you? I guess we're picking that apart. Another one I get all the time. You only need eight megapixels for a 300 DPI 8 by 10 inch print. I've heard that one quite a few times too. This one makes me so mad because me they that. try to get all scientific by putting the 300 DPI in. It makes you mad when people get scientific. Because they're misusing science. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me mad. They're like, three people have tested the limits of human vision and all humans can possibly perceive at their minimum focusing distance is 300 DPI and anything beyond that is completely wasted. And then they do the math on 300 DPI at 8 by 10 and it ends up being about 8 megapixels. And that's how they arrive at this ri absolutely ridiculous statement. But we actually tested this. We took 8 by 10 prints with like a 12 megapixel inexpensive camera and then a 36 megapixel high-end camera with good glass. And yeah, at a glance, you could see the difference in the image quality. Mm -hmm. And it's because the statement's nonsense because if a camera is 8 megapixels, that that's only some sort of ideal if the glass itself, the lens was optically perfect. And if the camera didn't actually have red, blue, and green filters that reduce the resolution of any particular color. And if the camera didn't have an AA filter on it, which is reducing sharpness, it's this theoretical number that they're picking apart and acting like it's the real thing. But with that said, we did, we used our old Canon 5D, which was like 12 megapixels or something. And we printed actual billboards with it and they look fine yeah if somebody is like 500 feet away and driving by very fast sure yeah but <laughs> now i will say people use low-end cameras to print eight by tens and they're happy with them and again that means that for that scenario for them the gear didn't actually matter but don't say that you don't realize a benefit from sharper lenses and higher megapixel cameras you especially can i also want to make the point you don't buy a camera for what you usually print, you buy equipment for the highest requirements that you might ever have in the lifespan of that gear. So even if you normally just put it on Instagram, if you decide later, oh, I have this great print, I would really love to make a 20 by 30 inch print and sell it or give it to my grandmother or something, then you have to have that gear just for that one time that you might do that. You buy a camera, a car, a house, whatever, for the maximum capacity that you will ever need it for. Ooh, that's kind of a controversial statement. Okay. I guess there are other scenarios you could rent something for those times that you need it, if you know in advance. But so often, the greatest moments in photography are spontaneous, and you can't necessarily plan ahead like that. Yeah, I definitely, I don't do large prints all the time, but it is something I do often enough that I want to be able to crop and print and not have to worry about saying, oh man, I wish I had used a different camera for this. Cropping is another good point. The scenario assumes no cropping, but do you, do you ever crop your pictures? Some people do not crop. So I guess the question is, does gear matter to you? Are you going to crop? You just have to know your needs. And I think that you just have to know what you want out of the final product and then assess if the camera is able to accomplish those goals. Film cameras didn't have two rolls of so film, this, so who needs dual card slots? So this is our next point. <laughs> film cameras didn't have two rolls. When we talk about a camera body that has two card slots, sometimes people get upset because they say, you don't need two card slots, one will suffice. You know, that wasn't always an option. 
Yeah, this old argument where our forefathers in photography didn't have some technology and thus it's absolutely unnecessary because they produce good images. It It's a completely illogical argument. Like, especially in this case, people lost so many incredibly valuable rolls of film because they, you know, the camera back popped open or there was a light leak and it was exposed or it was damaged in processing. I've had that happen to me a lot. Uh, stuff was just lost in shipping or the negatives were destroyed in a fire. Like they lost a lot of film. Also, they only usually shot 36 exposures at a time. So if they lost a roll of film, they're losing 36 images instead of a thousand images or 2000 images, which you might on a modern digital camera. Not to mention, they didn't have two slots for two rolls of film, but a lot of photojournalists would just have multiple camera bodies lined up. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they had backups, but it just wasn't as convenient as just having a little extra slot. They just had an entirely separate camera. So they did have that security, but it was just in a different way. So that's kind of a, yeah, it's a silly argument. Also, cars didn't have seatbelts at one point, and some people didn't die. I mean... It doesn't mean that you shouldn't use a seatbelt. Yeah. And I just want to say, we actually did a, a poll. We polled 4,300 people, and 47% of them had lost data, lost photos, because of memory card failures. 47%. And that number increased based on the number of shots that they took. So photographers who had taken over a million shots, 77.5% of them had lost some data. <laughs> a million shots but that seems like a lot to That's me too intense maybe they're time-lapse photographers calm down <laughs> <laughs> i autofocus this is my next point okay what's your next point here lay it on me avidon didn't have the eye autofocus and therefore <laughs> you don't need it and if you do i guess you're not a real photographer i always hear it about ansel adams like ansel adams didn't do that yeah ansel you adams. didn't have dynamic range <laughs> <laughs> Total nonsense, right? I bet Avedon would have loved eye autofocus. Yeah, he probably would have been like, now, I didn't know him personally. I can't speak to him now, obviously, but I'm going to go on record saying Avedon would have been like, eye autofocus is dope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a direct quote yeah. from your imaginary quote, Avedon. Unquote. <laughs> We've looked at so many of these like classic legendary photos, and some healthy percentage of them are just like out of focus, right? Like, people didn't care that much. Yeah, but the thing is, okay, this is the thing that makes me uncomfortable about this argument, is because the person is bringing a famous photographer into it, because if you try to argue their point, then they're like, wait a minute, did you just say Avedon was a bad photographer? It's like, no, that's not it at all. Standards were different. Cameras were different. People viewed photography differently. It's just like when you go back to watch an old movie, I'll use Citizen Kane, a movie that I love. The pacing is way different. The movie was great and a classic, so a lot of the lighting and shots were replicated over time. So if you go back and try to watch it, it does, it like loses its value if you don't understand the historic importance. And that's the same thing with photography. You can go back and say, well, it was fine with Avedon, but it's like, that's all he had? That was his only option, and he was using the best option that he had. So that point doesn't make a lot of sense. You have to just appreciate their art from the time that they were in. To summarize your point, I think you're saying old stuff sucks. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you're, you're so mean. You're just so mean. <laughs> okay. Coming up after the break, some other things that we've heard that we want to set straight. Real photographers only need one shot. Okay, that's one. Background blur is lazy. Okay, that's the second point we've heard. And just get closer to the animals. Let's take a minute and thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace makes amazing websites that you can customize and make your own, and they present your photos or your business in the most amazing way possible. They work perfectly on any type of device, whether it's a computer or a tablet or a smartphone, and they're what we use for our own websites, and we update them regularly, and we've been using them for years, and so have thousands of other people that we've recommended Squarespace is amazing. And if you want your own Squarespace website, head to squarespace.com slash Chelsea. You'll get a 14 day free trial. So just try it out, put your pictures on it, make them look fantastic. It's a good exercise for everybody. If you want to keep it, the coupon code Chelsea will give you 10% off. You stole my mid roll and then you used my coupon code. So I'm just shook. <laughs> I'm just thrown off right now. <laughs> Okay, real photographers only need one shot. That's an argument that we've heard. And quite frankly, I don't even I don't even clear know like their whole argument. So I don't really know how it makes sense. Maybe you have some more insight into it, Tony. Yeah, well, it's the perfect argument. Like every time there's a new camera that comes out and it shoots a little bit faster. Like when we went from five frames per second to cameras with 10 frames per second, people were like, 10, who needs 10 frames per second? And then the A9 has 20 frames per second. They're like, 20 frames per second? I only need a camera that does one frame per second and has a buffer of one because I'm a real photographer. And it's a, it's a great argument because when you make this statement, Anybody who argues with you, you've already put them in the category of not being a real photographer. Like you're attacking their skill set. If they disagree with you, it's because their skills aren't up to par. They're inferior. Yeah. What is exactly. a real photographer anyway? Like what a, a rude setup for an argument. I know you've you've made an argument, but also laid a trap for anybody who wants to attack you. I'm stepping in the trap. I'm yes. stepping in the trap because a high frame rate can be wonderful, especially when I'm shooting wildlife photography. I can get, I love birds. You guys know I love birds. I can get the bird's eye in focus. And sometimes it's just at that imperfect moment when the wing is in front of the eye. And you can't control that necessarily. I, th I mean, I think you can learn that you just have to take a lot of shots. You have to go out shooting more often. And you have to learn animal behavior. Those are all things that are increase your odds. But once you have more frames to choose from and you get that millisecond later where the wing is in the perfect position and looks more beautiful, then you appreciate a higher frame rate. I think these people imagine that they're looking through their 600 millimeter lens and they're timing it. So in time with the perfect placement of the bird's wings. Like they're waiting until it comes as close as it's going to come because they predict the future and they know when the bird is going to fly away. And they know exactly when the light is going to be hitting the eye perfectly and the, when the wing is positioned best. And then they're just like one frame, just like clink. Oh. And then they put their camera down and walk away. That <laughs> would ridiculous. be like That would be like the most coolest move if I could accomplish that. Yes. That's like some some superpower stuff because sometimes the bird's hitting the water and it like there's like a splash. 
and some of the little water droplets are just in front of the face too much and then the next frame it looks a little bit better so I don't know who those people are but they must be crazy talented oh this reminds me of um Brian Smith we met him at some of the camera events he he shoots Sony and he's a Pulitzer Prize winning photographer though the photo that got him the Pulitzer was um was Luganus it was the Olympics he went to do a flip he hit his head on the diving board and he was HIV positive and he was bleeding in the pool so it was like huge news all of the photojournalists for the Olympics were there they were all taking pictures Brian got the shot, but he didn't even know what happened because his mirror was up at the time. So he knew he got the shot because he did not see what happened. So he's taking pictures with everyone else. Everyone's like, oh, gasping. And he's thinking, what the heck happened? And they're going, he hit his head on the diving board. And he realized, this is what he told me, he realized, oh, I must have got the shot because I didn't see what happened. There was a whole group of professional photographers and one got the shot. And Brian is very, very talented, but he's also very, very humble. And he even admits, like, that was cool that I got that that millisecond that it happened. Yeah, anybody who's shot action, like sports or wildlife, knows that there is no timing it. For years now, I've been shooting soccer so often. And I've had this goal of just capturing a header at that moment when a person, the ball hits the person's head. Yeah, and flattering moment. It's a cool moment, yeah. but it's impossible to time that, even with 20 frames per second. I finally had Madeline, our daughter, uh, just stand there close to the camera, and you just toss the ball at her head over and over again, just trying to get the <laughs> she shot. She can't read now. <laughs> and uh, I, I never got it perfectly, even though we, we did it over and over again until her head couldn't take it. Yeah, she right. died. R.I.P. our lovely daughter. But it's impossible to time things. Human reaction times are not that good. You really have to rely on high frames per second. And if there is some snobby guy out there who wants to do this real photographers only need one shot argument, I want to see your portfolio of action shots. Show Dang. Me oh, whoa, you're throwing down the gauntlet. Ooh, where you do it with, where you took, where you took only one shot and caught the perfect moment. Because I don't think you know what you're talking about. Oh. And I also want to say, wild. they say back in the film days you didn't need it. But here's a picture of a couple of Nikon F2 cameras with the MF2 attachment. You'd take the back off the film camera and put these big rolls on it. And they could hold up to 750 exposures. That's unsettling. I don't like looking at that. <laughs> so even back in the day, they still went to great lengths to extend the rolls past the usual 36 exposures because they needed it. <laughs> they needed it. Oh, so our next point. Wow, this is like a, a very salty episode for us. Real photographers don't need crazy background blur. Yeah, we've done some portrait lens tests lately because we're trying to switch from Nikon to Sony and people are like, oh, what do you need this for? I, I only have an F5.6 lens and I take great portraits. Real that's, photographers that's, don't need yeah. to blur the background. You don't need to, but I also feel like maybe you want the capability to have a wide open aperture and you maybe want to let in more light and you maybe want a blurry background and then, yeah, that's an option. You can do that. Yeah, it's again, fun. it's this like planning for the maximum capacity, the most you'll ever need. Because if you have an F14 lens, you can shoot it at F8. But if you have an F8 lens, you can't shoot it at F14. 
So it's planning for possible options. And people always complain because they look at these portraits where the background is just completely blown out and they say, oh, this is just a temporary style that is going to look silly in the future. Not to mention that like smartphones are going to great lengths to kind of replicate this because mm -hmm. people actually do want this. But while you, you can not like this style where the background blur is blown out, but that doesn't mean you wouldn't ever benefit from having a nice fast lens because if the subject is a little bit further away, a little bit smaller in the frame, if the background is closer to the subject, you can be shooting wide open and not get much background blur at all. If you're watching the YouTube video, this is another photo taken at, with the same lens. These are taken with the same lens and the same settings. And you can see here the background blur is not crazy. It's moderate and that's shot wide open. Yeah. So the first photo we're sharing is a headshot with a very, very smooth background. You can hardly tell what it is. And the next one is a full body shot of a model. And the background is not so blown out that you can't tell what it is. It's very recognizable. It's a pleasing amount of blur. Yeah, it's just the tiniest amount of So you can separation. use that capability. You can use that low aperture number for multiple things. It's not just about blurring the background all of the time. Yeah, because it's also about like low light gathering, right? Yeah. If you've ever had to shoot an event in a dimly lit bar or astrophotography or something, like it makes a huge difference, a noticeable difference in the final products. And this also goes along with sensor size. Like if you look at crop factor, the two kind of go hand in hand. So we see this argument a lot from people uh, with smaller sensors who have an equivalent of like F5.6 on their lenses or something. And so you want have an astro, an astro photo there. Yeah, if you're watching the YouTube video, I showed an astrophotography example that was taken with an F14 lens. But if I were to have taken that with an F5.6 lens, that's two full stops difference. Yeah. And that means that the picture would have had four times more noise. And you definitely would have seen the difference. Yeah, so it's not even about background blur. No. Like, sometimes you just need that capability of being wide open. Yes. Just get closer to the animals. Yeah, so talking about wildlife gear, people talk about needing long lenses and things, and they'll say, oh, you don't need that. Just get closer to the animals. Nonsense, right? <laughs> just I get mean, closer. I mean, yes, that would be great. But you're still trying to get closer to the animals, even with long glass. I mean, I shoot with a 400 or 500 millimeter, sometimes a 600, and... It's still about learning. I still have to learn the animal behavior. I still have to be patient. I still have to park myself somewhere and be still for hours. And then oftentimes they're still 100 feet away or 50 feet away and you want a very close up looking shot. Yes, ideally you get closer to the animals, but that's not always an option. Especially with smaller birds. Like I've gone to great lengths to get as close as possible, hidden myself in a blind, put out seed, done bird calls, and... Dang, you're going to get PETA on you. <laughs> even at 600 millimeters, even with extension tubes to bypass the minimum focusing distance of the lens, it's almost impossible to fill the frame with smaller animals. I Trust me, you can get close and you still need big glass. It just it makes noticeably better results than being further away and cropping. But yeah, I mean, ideally... There are amazing wildlife shots with using timers and stuff where they're shot with wide angles and the animals get close. That's great, but it's not working for everything. Yeah, scenario. but if you're using timers and everything, then you're focused on your gear once again. If you're setting a trigger trap, that's about gear. Gear is a tool. 
I don't like this argument that's cut and dry and black and white because it's preposterous. This is more about just getting people enraged than it is about practicality, and I'm a practical person. Gear is a tool. It doesn't have to be about snobbism. It doesn't have to be about price. It's about you as a photographer establishing what you want from your photograph and what can accomplish that goal. That's it. Don't tell them, Chels. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. It's nonsense. Don't let people tell you what you do and don't need. Figure out what you need and then find out what works best for you. Sometimes that's really expensive gear and that stinks. Sorry. Right? <laughs> yeah. That stinks. That stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Just rent something. <laughs> Take a minute and thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Speaking of things that you might need if you have a specific goal in mind, you want to show your pictures and you want them to look their best, you might need a Squarespace website. I have one, Tony has three. He's a man that lives in excess, okay? They gave us one, he bought two, that's how much he loves it. It's simple, it's easy to use. If you can drag and drop, you can make your very own Squarespace website and you can do it for free. They give you a 14 day trial, no credit card needed. You don't have to remember to cancel. You just have to remember how to drag and drop. So go to squarespace.com Chelsea, use the coupon code Chelsea to get 10% off if you decide you wanna buy it. Thanks Squarespace. I guess in the comments, I'd like to hear what people think. Do they think that gear matters at all? I mean, we're not saying skill doesn't matter. No. Both skill and gear matter. Yeah. Multiple things can matter. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It's a ridiculous way to make it. I know. Matter. That's why. It's very frustrating. People always try to make one thing the ultimate truth. You yeah. I've been kind of venting with all the ridiculous arguments that yeah. I've heard because of your reviews. So I'd also like to hear people vent about the dumb things that they've heard people say, arguing against one piece of gear or another. Why yeah. do they care so much about what other people are shooting with? I don't know. We're going to find out. Let us know down below. And we'll see you next week. We'll have another podcast out. So tune in. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>